Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to What Makes You Tick. Um, I'm delighted to welcome my next guest, uh, women's uh, international rugby player, 15s and 7s international player, and the player for Munster, um, Aoife Doyle. I'm like, if I was just given the opportunity to be fit for a year, I was like, I feel like I could be really good. Yeah. And then it was, I got into the state of mind where I was on the pitch and I was back. It's just like, oh sure, it's just going to happen again. And then I was trying not to get injured when I was on the pitch. And like, you're setting yourself up for a fall then. Um, yeah, it was just this constant worry and neg- negativity as well. Um, and then when you are back on the pitch, you just you can't enjoy it for a long time. Because it's almost like you're waiting for the next injury to happen. Aoife, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. How are you? Good, good, good. Delighted to have you on board. A um, little bit of background check for everybody as well. Aoife and I have not, well, I've known Aoife since she was a little baba, um, running around the Rosary Church in Limerick and um, <laughs> being a little messer. Aoife's family and my family are, are like the best of friends. And um, it's been great and a kind of a privilege for me to watch Aoife obviously blossom into a, a fantastic young lady, but also then to become uh, such a high-performing athlete and playing at the highest level in rugby. Um, coming from Limerick, it's um, I think rugby is kind of in your blood, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, especially living across the road from Thoman Park. You don't really escape it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> no, no choice um, in the matter. It's a uh, yeah, and uh, in fairness, you come from a super talented family as well of musicians and singers and absolute heroes in terms of characters. Um, yeah. I think uh, being involved in that type of um, environment all your life, um, like you, you, you ooze happiness, and I'd say that's just been a kind of like a, an environment that 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 seems to be the kind of the the stable <laughs> diet in your household. Would that be true? Yeah, it's definitely true. Like since we were children whatever we wanted to try whatever we wanted to do we had the opportunity opportunity to do it and with my two older brothers as well I just wanted to be like them growing up so they're both involved in the piercing um, and when I was four my dad brought me down and for a year or two there I was the only girl involved in the whole club um, so I knew kind of from that I was just going to keep up the sport um, yeah. And even from a music perspective, like from the age of five, I was playing the recorder, then went on to play the piano and just sport, music, really anything we wanted to do. Uh, our parents supported us and gave us the opportunity to do it. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's it's brilliant. And like, I think um, from from my perspective as well, like um, have a great relationship with your mom and dad and, and all your siblings and yourself as well. And, and I think it's one of those ones where, we don't we don't see each other every every day, but we pick up where we leave off every time we chat. And I think uh, hopefully this Christmas as well, we'll be able to do uh, the, the norm and pop over to your house and say hello and, and, and enjoy a few points. Yeah, yeah is, is back into swing. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, listen, Aoife, I'm, I obviously the the podcast is called What Makes You Tick, and it's all about trying to understand what people and why people do what they do, right? And the reason I've asked you on is because I'm super impressed with um, how you've, um, I suppose, faced a number of different challenges over the years in terms of your career, but also just kind of blossomed in terms of a rugby player. And 
I suppose when it comes to the different opportunities that were presented to you, you took them with open arms, right? So I'm I'm asking everybody in this um, season. Um, obviously, rugby is your is your uh, profession, and and it's you're you're studying as well uh, to be a primary school teacher, which is amazing. But you 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 were a professional rugby player for a lum- number of years. Why is it? Um, that you do what you do. Like, what, what what's the reason you became uh, a rugby player? So, growing up, I was just obsessed with sport. I was obsessed with being with the boys, playing with the boys. Um, and when I started playing, like there was no structures in place for women. And I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing to say it, but it just didn't bother me. And if it stayed like that, I didn't care because I was playing and I was enjoying it. And I always remember when I was playing for Shannon in the, we were in the clubhouse and they brought Joy Neville down to uh, give us a talk. And she was asking at the end, did anyone have any questions? And I put my hand up and I was just like, do you get paid? And she started roaring laughing and she was like, absolutely not. We don't get paid. And she was like, do you still want to play? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like I, I just didn't care. Um, and then as I came up through the ranks, I just got more and more obsessed with it and it got bigger and bigger and I started to realize if I stuck with it I could really get somewhere with it like when I first started playing the the talk of a contract and being a professional Irish sevens player was so out of reach um, that I didn't even know I was striving for that at the time Um, and it was then when I was in sixth year I remember that's when I like people started to notice me and I was offered my first cap in Atlanta, but it was at the same time I had my leaving surprise. And I remember like all my friends going, oh, what? like, what's going on? You're going playing for Ireland. We're doing our leaving cert. And I was like, <laughs> listen, if I have this opportunity, like I'm going to take it. And I knew my dad was going to back me 100 percent. And I knew we'd have to work on my mother a little bit because it was just so unheard of that. Yeah. 17 years of age was going to be taken out of school and like miss their exams and play across the world um and then it's I just love it I don't really know what was that experience like when you what was that experience like when you got the call and then happened like at 17 some people had never even left the country let alone you were going over to Atlanta to play like what what was that kind of feeling like was a bit surreal I remember my head coach ringing my parents being like uh what's the name of the secondary school Aoife Zane I'm going to come down and meet with her principal and my dad was in the meeting and I went to Laurel Hill and the principal's office if you look straight out of it there's huge stairs and me and three of my friends are at the top of that stairs looking through the glass being like what's being said am I going to be allowed go all of this um and I remember before I went as well, we had a big party in our local pub, JJ Bowles's. And my brother had organized this book where everyone that came would write something into the book for me to look at. And my dad wanted to, me to just keep an account of my travels and how, like how I was getting on and just to have fun and enjoy it. And I read that book recently when I knew I'd be coming on here with you because I still have it. And like, Damien, my brother-in-law, his father was like, you're absolutely amazing. Just have fun because it was so overwhelming when I got there to be at the World Series, like playing New Zealand, Australia, like our first game. We were beaten 50, 
nil by England. And I wow. remember being like, okay. what am I doing here? Uh, like, because it was just a shock. But then as it went on, I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And signs on where the girls are now on the series, like, and got to play in a World Cup. So it's all just about the journey. So th- that's absolutely incredible that you still have that um I still uh, have that memory book, book and yeah. and the fact that you got to read it. I'm sure you went down a bit of memory lane reading some of the messages. Yeah. What was that like, like? And it was great and I documented every day over there as well. So even seeing how I've changed from being a teenager to now and like if I if I was at a tournament now how I would prepare compared to what I was writing in my little book of what I was doing like um, so it's just a great thing to have I don't know if you saw Dan Carter's uh, recent post on Instagram but he found one of his old um, books where he wrote down different um, messages and, and feelings and his big thing was about enjoyment as well that was the okay. big big point was to Obviously, know your role, do your job, but enjoy it, you know. Um, so even at, at all aspects of sport, I think whether you're at the, the very, very top or you're just starting off or you're playing for fun, it's all about enjoyment, right? All about enjoyment and also documenting it like that because there's some matches and tournaments that I just, I blanked and I can't even remember because yeah. it, it does, the years blur into one. So really enjoy it. Yeah. So if if so that 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 was your first call up and Jesus I'd love to um be a fly on the wall while you're reading those uh, those comments and those uh, little excerpts because I'm sure they're um, they're amazing but um what what happened after the uh, first call up to the sevens because you're 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 actually one of these uh, athletes who's happened to play both sevens rugby and fifteens rugby so you play professionally sevens right. But you got your, 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 you were one of the youngest to get a cap for Ireland. Is that correct? Yep. In the so 15th. after my first cap with um, the sevens was a back-to-back tournament. So we did Atlanta and San Paolo together. And then after that, it was kind of like, okay, Aoife goes back now and does her leave insert. So I left for a couple of months and I went back to Limerick and did my leave insert. Um and then a month after that, I moved up to Dublin to, I signed a contract with the Sevens and I kind of settled up there. Um, but soon after that, I I was training away with the 15 squad before I was brought into the Sevens. And it yeah. was kind of a decision what was best for me at the time, because okay. at, at that age, Sevens was where, you know, the contracts were, it was the Olympics and it was professional. Um, but I just happened to be thrust into the, Six Nations that year um, I think it was Hannah Tiro picked up an injury um, and I was in I was actually in bed one day getting ready to go to training and I got a call being it was two days before the match and they said there's been an injury and we need you to come into camp and I remember being like I, I can't drive I've no one to bring me and they're like can you be here or not so I was like okay and one of the girls Katie Fitzhenry she drove out from camp to pick me up and brought me out to the girls. And yeah, two, three days later, I got my first cap against France um, and I started on the wing and it was just incredible. Like, yeah, I, I was 18. So um, very, very young. And we were playing in Ashburn. Yeah. And that was the game that the lights went out three times. So yeah. definitely not forgetting my first cap. 
No, and it's is it's 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 incredible because obviously sevens rugby is so different to um, 15s, right? Um, so the, your your sevens cap is over in Atlanta, away from home, in a completely different environment. Whereas your 15s cap is at home in Ireland, albeit oh. with uh, <laughs> with electricity falls, right? <laughs> yeah. But but family family around you, lash and rain, but in a, in an environment that's familiar familiar to you, right? Um, totally familiar to me. And even the players that I was playing with, like Nia Briggs was our full back and she completely brought me on through the underage setup and through the Munster senior squad too. So like in that sense, I felt comfortable and it was great. Um, but just the same with the, like my experiences, my two first caps, it was just out of the blue and this amazing thing that happened, which I'm glad it did Yeah, because I was just thrown into it and I had to, and it was it was a it was a super super uh, tournament, wasn't it? Because uh, you guys yeah. went down to to win it, right? Won it, yeah. And I have my gold medal at home. My what pride a, and joy. What a start to prof- yeah. to your to your to your international career. <laughs> it's like it's, uh, like it's like ah, this is easy, guys. You know, it's fine. <laughs> What's the big up? Like I may as well retire now. What else is there to do? Yeah, yeah. finish on the top. <laughs> So little did I know. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So, like your your career. So that's you were seventeen when you first got your when you got your first cap, obviously for sevens, right? And you got thrusted into the international world or environment, right? Albeit sevens and then onto fifteens. But talk to me about your journey since then, you know, because um, I'd love to understand, uh, like, actually, do you know what? Maybe we'll go on to that a little bit later on. I'd love to know who is probably the who's the biggest influence in your life uh, to date and why? Um, it's a hard one because I started to think of my personal life and then from a sporting perspective, but like it, cringy as it is, it's my parents and like anyone who knows me knows how much of a special relationship I have with my dad. And when I actually reflect on it, it's like for the past 10 years he's his life has just been dedicated to me and my siblings will agree with that like anything I need um he basically delivers and he's the reason I'm playing and he's the reason I'm in Dublin why I'm studying why I'm in college so he's just a massive influence on me and like even going down the teaching route now that's his bread and butter and it's what he did and I look at myself in Dublin with all the supports I have and it's like how did he do that raising a family teaching us music teaching us sport driving me here driving me there and like it's it's only when you get older you realize like how the hell did they do it and yeah it's got to the point where like daily I don't make decisions without ringing him first like constantly yeah. on the phone texting um so he's just yeah the, my biggest inspiration as well definitely and you, you probably know exactly what he's going to say to you before you even ask him. <laughs> you probably exactly. so, so but, ingrained with each other, you know? <laughs> yeah, but it's great because he gives me his honest opinion and he'll always finish with, but whatever you do will back you. So Love like that. he always finishes with that. So you, you can't ask any more in terms of obviously as, as a parent, um, like, I know we've been both very, very lucky with the parents that we've we've got and we we have and that will always get honest opinions and honest advice, right? But I think as a 
friend as well. I think the most honest opinion and advice is the best because whatever happens, you you'll make your own decisions, but your friends and the people who really care for you and love you will back you no matter what decision you make. Right. And, and that's, that's part of life because that's part of learning and part of growing and developing and, and kind of, uh, you you have to make decisions that are tough. Sometimes they're not co- you're not comfortable making decisions, but at the end of the day, you have to make decisions that you feel is right for you. And the people who are in your kind of circle of trust will back you no matter what. So it's lovely to hear. And I'm sure you've got a great kind of from a personal side of things, you've got that support. And I'm sure then from a friendship and from a sporting background as well, you've probably got that support too in other areas. Yeah, exactly. But and like I remember in school getting slagged so much by my friends because my dad would work in Mary Eye and I was in school in Laurel Hill across the road. And every lunch break, I'd leave the school and go have my lunch with him because like at that stage, that's when rugby was taken off as well. Yeah. I just constantly need to talk about it, discuss it, like what's happening this weekend? What are we going to do next? And just um, he was there every step of the way. So I have to give him the credit because it's ultimately down to him really why I'm where I am at the moment. Can you remember any piece of uh, advice that he's given you over the years that kind of sticks with you? He always gives the advice that's needed. So he's like, uh, we've camp every weekend and he'll text me before every session and he'll know whether it's keep the head down. You don't need to prove yourself this time. Just get through it if I'm carrying a niggle. And then the next time it would be like, give it socks, you know, you're flying it, show them what you're made of. So he's constantly always just giving little bits, little bits. Um, and that's kind of what I need. Just that little thing of either keep the head down or go and show them what you're made of. So I love that. I love that. He's 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 on your rate. Like he he's basically he's got his finger on the pulse, knowing the type yeah, of setup you're in, yeah. both physically and mentally, no doubt. Yeah, because he gets all the the information after a session it's all poured out onto him of what's happened and how I'm feeling so the next morning I'll have the text message before the second day of camp and I'm like yeah good on you good on you tell me do you have any um kind of affirmations or any kind of sayings or or phrases that you kind of live by or stand by that that you'd be willing to share with me yeah so I don't I don't know if I would call it an affirmation but a couple of years ago when this was in like the period of just being injured all the time and the girls went on a trip to Canada and I got a tattoo to the dismay of my mother um but it just says let it be and um like I'm a huge Beatles fan but the meaning behind that song and just the what the phrase means to me was huge because at that stage everything had just been going wrong and the more I tried to control it the more it was going wrong so for me it's literally just like just let it be let it take its natural course you're not going to change it and it just relaxes me because if if it gets to the point where I'm like I'm trying my best to change this it's not changing I'm just like just let it be it's going to happen and it's just something that personally relaxes me and just I chill out like love it love it that's what, that's what I, it is for me i i love that i think um like it, it kind of touches on a number of areas of your of your life right so you've got music has been a massive part of your life and the fact that you're a beatles fan but as a as a phrase i think a lot more people 
if they took that on board, I think they probably would have a more uh, stressless life and remove the anxiety and remove the kind of the worries that we always look at and find that if you can't control things, a lot of people don't know how to sit with that, right? So one of the things that we always did when we when when um, when I was involved in, in sport was control the controllables, right? So whatever I do for myself, I can put myself in the best possible position, but I can't control what you do or what my coach does or says or chooses or anything like that. I can just give myself my absolute uh, honest and best ap- approach to to something, whether it's sport or whether it's a job or whether it's a relationship or whatever but if you can look but in like the mirror after, after you've done what you have needed to do let the rest just happen yeah you can't worry about it no yeah like you drive yourself insane you would wouldn't you yeah completely um and yeah like i i'd be a bit of a worrier and an overthinker and sometimes to my detriment right so sometimes i'm lying in bed and i'm like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh my god and thinking about all these different things and i i have all these different kind of tools in my in my in my toolbox to kind of figure out in terms of mental meditation that type of thing breathing and stuff but sometimes it just it takes control or it takes over um but when i wake up the next day i kind of wake up and i'm like actually do you know what? today's going to be okay today's going to be fine let's 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 have a go at today and just 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 give it your best shot um, that's crazy how at night it seems 20 yeah. times worse and then you wake up and you're like it's actually going to be fine Exactly. Yeah. So, so it actually leads us on nicely to, I suppose you spoke about injuries there and, and, and what I'm, I'd love to understand is like, can you re- recall times in your life where you faced your biggest challenge, right? Now it may be in sport, it may be in something else, but can you maybe talk to us about one or two of those times and how you actually overcame them? Yeah. Um, so as I was saying, when like when I was so young, my career got off to a great start and I got my caps and it was all going great. And then I was just plagued with injury. Like there was two years there where I just didn't play. Um, and when you're so young as well, you're kind of like, I'm missing out. And like, these are the years where I'm going to improve and I'm going to push on and I'm kind of missing out on all of this. Uh, and there was definitely very, very dark times because like I was away from my family and I was living in a house with other sevens athletes who were just thriving. And every month they'd go on trips and I was left in this huge house by myself um, rehabbing constantly. Um, and then it was kind of the running joke in the place. Be like, if you're training today, oh no, like, why did I ask? Because I was never training. I was never playing. Um, and it, it just went on and on and on. Um, and then it got to the point where, like, you start thinking, why is it constantly me? And then it would go in, get into my personal life where, like, I wouldn't travel home at a weekend because I thought, oh, if I sit on a bus, I might be stiff for Monday. If I go to the cinema, maybe I'll be stiff for training. And it was the paranoia that everything I was doing was the cause of my injuries um, because I was so young at the time and I couldn't understand it. Um, and it took a lot of time and a lot of years to like figure out my body and for me to sit down with physios everyone and like just figure out what are we going to do um so that it's something that went on for years and kind of taints my 
view of sevens when I look back on it there's always that little bit of that was a hard time and that was a bad time um but I suppose I came out of the, the other end of it um I took a lot of time out of the game to get right and I ended up going to the sevens world cup and that was kind of my peak like I had my parents in San Francisco that year made every leg of the series just felt good um and that like after that I did retire from the game but it was kind of the satisfaction of going well I I got through it all and even now I'm like how how I can play and how I can train and I'm okay but it definitely um mentally just makes you constantly overthink paranoid and just a lot of times wanted to give up but your love of the game just makes you want to like keep trying to play yeah yeah like retiring at 21 years of age I'm just like what was the point of all those years if I'm just going to walk away from it yeah yeah and did that go through your head oh yeah massively yeah yeah like I was very hard to be around because I was when I would travel to Limerick I was coming off the back of a week of just being alone all the time rehabbing uh, like when people are out in the pitch I'd be in with the physio and when I'd be in the gym they'd be there at different times so I was never really with people and then I was coming home in that bad form bad mood and then like you know my parents be like why are you going back up again like just you know you need to think about do you want to still do it because at, at the time Komogi was still there for me as well to go back to doing that but rugby was just my passion and I was determined that I wasn't going to leave it so tell me tell me just talk a little bit about that because because um I think you you spent you said you spent two years being injured basically and obviously learning about your body as well and learning what worked for you and what didn't work for you but all, all in all kind of worried about how am I, what am I doing now that's going to affect me tomorrow? Um, so you wouldn't do things and you kind of maybe deprive yourself of kind of really important or fun or, or loving situations, right? So um, talk about the injuries, the type of injuries that you were getting and how you managed to get through the injuries to find that you were getting another injury and then the mental challenge of, fighting again to come back so it's kind of hard to explain um like the best I can kind of say it is I've an a very unusual body like my back is a lot longer than the normal person's back like my vertebrae I've no curve in my lower spine but I stand in a very arched position which contradicts it so there's just constant pressure in my lower back lower and obviously back. when I'm like 19 20 I'm not understanding these things because day to day I feel fine and I'm training and I train fantastic on a Monday and then when I come in on Tuesday that load has been too much for me and when I try and do it again it's like something knocks off so it was always in my quads um I kept thinking oh, I, I've torn my quad I've torn my quad um and as the years kind of went on, we realized, no, it's coming from my back and it's all this neural pain. Um, and then I went to a back clinic, Dublin back, back clinic, uh, to a guy called Liam, who I say just transformed my life. Like he was incredible. And he 
at this stage now, it's the years that are getting mixed up, but at this stage I was kind of playing, but I was still couldn't handle the, the load. And when I went to him, he was like, how are you an athlete? Like, he's so brutally honest. He was like, how are you an athlete? Like, you you shouldn't be playing like this. And I was kind of like, oh, I've, you know, I've always played always with done. these aches or pains or whatever. And he was like, I need, I need to treat you as someone who's just post back surgery. He was like, that's how bad you are. So he took me for two to three months and I was out of the program. He was like, no one else is interfering with you or doing nothing else but staying with me. And it was like an eye opener again of sitting on these machines and had elderly people all around me who have just had hip replacements or like back surgery. And he was like, this, this is how bad you are. Um, but he got me through it and we came up with a plan where it would be like the girls would have a double pitch on a Monday, Tuesday. Aoife would just do one pitch. Okay. And then day off Wednesday, if they had gym Thursday, I might skip that and do it on a Friday. So it was just all about loading and having to accept that I couldn't do what everyone else was doing. Because um, in my head, I was like, these girls are training twice a day. I can train three times a day. Yeah. And it was like, do you want to do that? Or do you want to be fit and healthy and be able to play? So it took a very, very long time. But we finally got a, a program into place. We realized what gym exercises didn't suit me and just took them out of my program spent loads of time working on my core and strengthening my lower back because that's where the issue was so just little cues all the time of what I need to do before training and and since that I've been great to be honest in terms of my back anyway that's incredible because it's not about training hard it's about training smart right and at a young age, usually it's like, just get up and go and it'll be fine. And you like, you don't even need a warm up sometimes. Like yeah, I remember myself being young in a little odd stretch here and there and then going for it. Whereas now I'd need to be stretching for weeks before I could even <laughs> think of going onto the pitch. But uh, th- so to that point, it's like training smart and not training hard, but obviously training hard with the exercises that were, were suitable to you. Definitely. And, yeah. and do you think, do you think you've gotten to a point now where, you know your kind of what works and what doesn't work so well now that you're able to maintain a kind of like a, a level or do you find that now that you've gotten that point uh, sorted that oh there's other things now that are aggravating you <laughs> well like yeah in terms of all those past injuries um I've gotten control over it definitely because and I've gotten better at saying no I'm not right today I can't train whereas back then it was like if I say I can't train and I'm injured it's like well you're trying to get out of this session or else it's like I'm not going to be picked for a trip now so it was that constant pressure on yourself that oh I'm fine I'm fine and then I would get injured and the coaches would be like why are you doing that yeah but it's so hard when you're like you're you're competitive as well though yeah, like environment in, in that competitive environment you see the girls around you who are fine for your place you feel that if you're not involved you're 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 going to be you're going to be looked over um whereas yeah like it's, it's it's a point where i think that's just the natural competitor in people as well who who are sporty or who are playing at a high performing uh level is like yeah and then now it's like even a different sort of mental state again because I was going fine and then it was the injuries just hit me again but 
just freak things that happened that I definitely couldn't control. So it's like, well, how do I deal with that now? Because no matter what I sort of did, these injuries kind of were going to happen. Like, how'd you so, deal with it? Um, well, at this stage, I'm in a 15 squad in a 15 setup and I'm not consumed by rugby like I had been in the past. And all I was to myself was a rugby player. Whereas when I leave HBC on a Sunday in like a knee brace because I tore my MCL, I'm like, well, I have work Monday morning and then I'm in college and I'm not going to sit and dwell on this injury for 24 hours. Um, So that just really helped me. And I'm not saying like, being a professional athlete and being dedicated your, to your craft is is a bad thing. But for me, I let it consume me and didn't want to know about anything else in life, bar rugby and why I was getting all these injuries. Whereas now I just had to put it in the back of my mind because I have other things I need to focus on. Um, but definitely during the Six Nations, like I was back in that dark time again. And I was like, I thought I had gone from this but it just it brought me back to times in the sevens where I was like this is the dark side of sport and it's hard like yeah I it, it is tricky isn't it because I, I always think though that when it comes to injuries and having had plenty myself as you know <laughs> um, I think we can I can relate to you um, I feel bad ranting to you because you've had it bad <laughs> well, I never got to play to the level that you 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 played at, but I I definitely understand the inj- injury front, and I always found that whenever I got setbacks in sports, that I always I always said to myself that this is a is this is a um, challenging my character now. You know, I always kind of looked at it and went, okay, you're you're like, are you good enough to get back? Do you have what it takes to get back? Can you get to that level again? You know. And are you able to kind of put aside all the, the things that are, are in your life just to make sure you get back? And like when you're playing at a decent level, and again, it, it's nothing compared to, to you. I think there's a selfishness in it as well, because you want to prove a point to yourself, right? That you are good enough. Um, and I think every time you do then get back to that level, there's a little bit of a you don't you don't actually enjoy it to the point that you, you'd hope, you know, you, you don't pat yourself on the back because you're looking for the next challenge. You're looking for the next, Always. the next goal, you know? And yeah. I think, I think it's, it's a, it's a, a, the competitor in people is, is you never enjoy the, the wins as much as you dwell on the losses. And I think that's, that could be said for everybody. Like I, I did a sports psychology course uh, in IADT uh, with uh, Dr. Olivia Hurley I don't know if you know um, Dr. Hurley, oh, yeah. but um, uh, Hannah actually um, knows her and, and, and gave a, a talk in the college a couple of years back, but it was all in sports psychology. And when it comes to elite athletes like yourself, when people get injured, they actually go through the same um, uh, grief, uh, grieving model as you would if somebody passed away that was close to you. So you go through that kind of five stages and everybody's stage is a little bit longer and a little bit different. Um, but it's about kind of anger, denial, like then you get into kind of acceptance and then you get into action and planning for the kind of, okay, what do I need to do to get back? Uh, would you find, would you think that that is something that kind of happened to you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I went through so many different stages, um, definitely angry because 
you know, in yourself, I'm like, if I was just given the opportunity to be fit for a year, I was like, I feel like I could be really good. And then it was, I got into the state of mind where I was on the pitch and I was back and it was just like, oh sure, it's just going to happen again. And then I was trying not to get injured when I was on the pitch and like, you're setting yourself up for a fall then. Um, and yeah, it was just this constant worry and neg- negativity as well. Um, and then when you are back on the pitch, you just you can't enjoy it for a long time because it's almost like you're waiting for the next injury to happen. Did you ever um, work on any um, uh, work with any sports psychologists or anything like that? I lost you there. Did you oh, ever? Yeah, I was like, "You're gone." Did, did you Did you ever work with any uh, sports psychologists? No, never. No. Or was it ever promoted or anything like that? No. No, we had uh, one guy in before. I can't remember his name now, but never really on a personal level. Yeah. It's kind of uh, as a team, what goals you have, what kind yeah. of like what you want to be seen as as a team, but never like on a personal level. I remember when I was younger, we we got a a, um, a, a sports psychologist come into us, and I was having terrible time with kind of pressure uh, because I was coming out of school. I was expected to do well, and I was putting so much pressure on myself. And I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. And the psychologist said to me, she, she says, um, she turned around. And she's like, change that word need to want. She goes because when you want to do something, all of a sudden your whole approach to it is different. Even when you say the word want, it kind of puts a smile on your face, you know, and, and then it takes the pressure away and then it makes it so that it's a kind of like a craving as opposed to you being forced to do something. And those little kind of tricks were really, really, really helpful for me um, to, to a point. <laughs> um, but come here, t- tell me, is there, having, having kind of, you're still so young, right? And you've done so much, you've traveled the world, you've experienced so much in terms of your, your professional, uh, in your sporting career. Right. And now, uh, as you're studying to, to become a primary school teacher, uh, which I think you'll excel at greatly because you're, you've got such a, a fantastic manner about you. Um, is there anything that you've learned, um, so far in life that you wish you would have known when you were, uh, maybe 17 when you were starting off? Yeah, it's and it's kind of something that I said before of don't let your passion consume you. Like to me, it was just the be all and end all. And I really boxed myself off for a couple of years. Um, like I was living in Dublin. I never went outside the door, like never explored the place because I just wanted rugby so much. And even the company I kept was like, why would I hang around with people outside of this squad like they don't understand what we're about or what we want to do like what's the point and now that I'm in college and I have a job and like my whole perspective has has just changed and I'm like what a waste like you there's no need to do that um so but back then I like I said I was a rugby player and if I was injured and not playing then I was failing whereas now I'm like I'm an aunt I'm a friend like I'm still a rugby player I'm going to be a teacher and I just think when you're so young you don't realize how much is actually out there and how much you can do at the one time it doesn't have to be all or nothing with one thing or your craft like just because you're interested in things doesn't mean you're not dedicated so 
I, I just wish I hadn't boxed myself off so much from other things. But it's it's lovely that you can share that now with your nieces and nephews and all that stuff and, and actually get to a point where where like it is it's kind of like when it comes to nutrition, right? It don't eat just the one type of food, you know, have a balanced, varied diet, right? So and I, I know as a, as an athlete, you would have been told that, right? So it's to have as many different kind of forms of nutrition that are real foods to give you the kind of help you perform the best you can. And I think that's the same when it comes to life, right? To not have all your eggs in one basket, especially when you're, when you're learning to, to kind of get to a point where you, you have a number of things that give you different types of stimulus for different reasons, whether one is sport, another one could be cooking, another one could be whatever, swimming, you know, all these different things um, that just give you a different perspective of life or looking at life through a different lens and they tell you that like they tell you that when you're when you're starting into it but I had such a tunnel vision and I had a great group of friends like but we all just happened to be the same and on our days off we were sitting in the house or still sitting at the training grounds just waiting to be in the next day and it was like you don't need to be like that you can still like enjoy your life but be dedicated to your sport as well so yeah, it's uh, it's gas. I remember driving past uh, the Aviva Stadium a couple of times, and I'd see you going in uh, for training and beeping at you. Oh, in IRFU gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spot the IRFU girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I think I think what I'm kind of taking out of this whole kind of conversation discussion and is that it's important to have balance in your life through friendships, through, through activities, through work, through sport, to get all these different experiences so that you can then mold the things around your life that make you happy. Right. Um, yeah. Like four or five years ago, I wouldn't have done this podcast. I'd be like, no, I wouldn't be able to do this. Um, and even being in college and a year of college down, I can't believe it because outside of the, the program, I just didn't know how to be a normal human being. And I would never want to do anything like this. I'm like, Oh no, I, I couldn't, didn't have the confidence. Whereas now I'm just like, I feel like I'm just relaxed in myself yeah. and allowing myself to just do so many different things. Well, I, I think it's what's great is that it's if if this, I remember asking you to do this and you you said to me, sure, why do you want to talk to me? And, and, my, and, and this is the beauty about you as well is that you don't see how inspiring you are to others, especially young young girls coming through but young people coming through uh trying to figure out what it is that they want to do in life and i think that probably kind of is one of the reasons i got you on is because you don't see yourself in that vein but yet you are and i think the you have a really good um story to tell and, and that you've been through so many different challenges through through sport that i think you can share those stories especially to the, the new or the next generation of sevens athletes the next generation of 15s and and like even even recently, um, the way women's rugby has come come on leaps and bounds, and then obviously recently it 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 went backwards in terms of what happened with the with the Connacht ladies. And I think those things can never happen because I can't happen again because like there has to be an ultimate respect between the guys and the girls. And I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who has daughters, and he was saying that, and he's played at international levels, and he he's he said that. He wants his daughters, if they play rugby, to have the exact same opportunities that he has. He had as a guy. 
I think it's it's vital that people like you share share their stories, you know. Like even, you know, when I'm thinking back to when I was younger and the men were in the professional era and like it's not saying anything against them, but, you know, they would have never have thought about women's rugby and it didn't affect them. Whereas now I, I do think it's funny, like, you know, Paul O'Connell presented us with our monster jerseys and actually got emotional. And like Donna Cowell Callahan was the same because he's like, when I watch my daughter now doing gymnastics, he was like, I want to cry. But, you know, I'm so proud of her. So it's also these players who now have daughters because it hits home. You're like, you can't control their interests or their love. And if they want to play rugby, you want them to have the best of the best. And if we don't have it now, like they're not going to have it either. So I do think it's really good now that, um, you know, men are looking at their daughters or their nieces and realizing in a couple of years, they're going to be like those girls. And I, I want them to have the best. So. Yeah, I think I think it's That's it's what's definitely. Push it on. I agree with you, and and you need you need more and more people actually sharing those stories and telling telling that kind of desire for it to happen because, um, like we had Sine Naupo on um on the podcast uh, last season, who's obviously a f- fascinating uh, lady and has done so much for for people in sport for just for people in general, and she's so good in in terms of what she's doing in business and stuff and spoke so fondly of you <laughs> when i told her i was going to ask you she was oh my god you'd be brilliant um but again like she's paved the way neve briggs has paved the way you've paved the way like there are really really strong women who've who've done that so it's kind of it, it it hopefully now we'll see more and more of that coming through you know yeah, like because when I was in Shannon, once we hit our teenage years, all my friends were gone out of the club straight away and I was left there. Whereas I was down there a couple of weeks ago and they have so many girls playing at the moment and 14-year-olds, 15-year-olds, whereas, you know, a couple of years ago, they wouldn't be there. They don't want to play sport at that age. So and it's really c- good. Come here. What's, um, what does the, the future hold uh, for Aoife Doyle? Like, is there a chance you might For even me, become a, become a coach? <laughs> God, yeah. Like I would, the dream for me would be teaching in a primary school and coaching all the children there after school also, because I can remember my coaches, my basketball coach in primary school, like all these people play a huge role in your life that, and you don't even realize. Um, like, so sport-wise, for me, a World Cup is very much the primary goal at the moment. For me, for us as a squad, um, and then my other path that I'm on is a primary teacher. And I'm just very, very focused on getting that degree at the moment. And from then on, just hopefully teaching and playing at the same time. That would be, that's the dream at the moment, if the body holds up. Oh, it will. Listen, you've 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 done so well now to to learn so much about it. I I think anybody listening uh, to you and hearing your story, um, there's so much you can take out of it. But you do it with such a smile. You always smile. That's the one thing I I've, I'll I'll always take away from chatting with you. Even when you're talking, you just smile all the time. It's a pleasure. And I think even with the down times and the tough times, um, you seem to come out with a kind of like an optimistic and positive uh, view on on life and on on the future and. I, I think the future is bright for you um, and I wish you all the best and you know you've got your support and my support and my whole family support um, no matter what you do yeah always yeah. always is true so 
Aoife Doyle, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, I'll put all the bits and pieces into the show notes. I'm sure people would like to get in touch. I'll um, maybe share your 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 Instagram if you want. Um, yeah. and, um, and then, yeah, listen, thank you so much for, for taking the time. Thank you.